0: I just hit record, Uh, but before before uh, when I was thinking about this podcast, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to start the podcast. I'm going to start the podcast by going Rudy, 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 because I was like, oh, we'll probably do Rudy's today. Yeah, it didn't happen though. No, no. Guess barbecue. Yeah, we've already
1: reviewed it. We have, and we we keep going back.
0: It was amazing, dude. It's so good. Yeah, it was very good. Um. Guys, welcome back to another uh, episode um, of the Good Newscast. Today, we're going to do three different segments. We're going to talk a little bit about the text, the yeah. scriptures that Jeff preached on um, this past Sunday. Very popular story um, that even um, that, that my eyes were really open to in a clear way um, on Sunday, perhaps just having not looked at the text closely in a long time or... Yeah or maybe ever, maybe it's one of those texts that is just so easy to go like, Oh, everyone always mentions a good Samaritan. I know what this is about, yeah, whatever, but just during your sermon. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Uh, do a book review, uh, Vody Bauckham's, um, fairly new book, I think came out in like April or something, uh, called fault lines. Um, and then we're going to end, uh, with talking about the sweat of the text or a little, little bit about this coming Sunday, maybe where you're at in the, yeah. the studying process. um, or, or what you're thinking about. Yeah, sounds good. Which, by the way, when are you starting um, Judges, Galatians? Next week. So not, so not this Sunday, but next. This Sunday is the last
1: one of the, the deep end. Leaving yeah. your shallow view of God for uh, basically who God is in his deepest glory. So that's over this Sunday, and the next Sunday we're in Judges and Galatians. Sweet. Yeah. So my wait. brother's also going to do Judges and Galatians in Oklahoma at his church. So we're going to try to talk about the text after we study it on Tuesdays and just kind of whiteboard it and that ought to be fun too. Awesome. Yeah, he's he's
0: doing it. Judges Galatians and Galatians. Yeah. Okay. So we're both going to do it, which is kind of fun. Sweet. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So, uh, Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan. Uh, how did you just briefly... Why? Yeah, text? why? I I, I
1: I think it was, it was that, um, I think it was he had compassion on him because we're we're dealing with the deeper waters of the character of God and you know we went from God being rich in mercy and and how the only thing that God is said to be rich in is mercy in the mm-hmm. Bible which is absolutely stunning and shocking so I don't know I just started reading and I came across that line of this Samaritan this outcast uh, having that. Churning mercy in his soul, like that's what was compelling him, and so that led me into that text. Honestly, that's what got me into the text because that's the series, and then getting into the text and realizing the uh, the ways in which I have heard that text. That text has been taught and preached, uh, and devotionalized and theologized, and uh, has been challenging Christians since uh, the beginning of Christianity, and has led. Uh, social justice movements. Um, so I didn't know exactly what I was getting into, but that's how I started it. It started with this outcast Samaritan churning with mercy, churning with compassion, his guts towards the dying dude in the ditch. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me into the text. Yeah.
0: So what, what and, and I'll let you kind of share, well, let me ask, big idea, Uh, what was the big idea? Well, the big idea was
1: like, well, you know, usually it's which one are you, right? Mm -hmm. Are you the, are you the priest? Are you the Levite? Are you the Samaritan? Um, and which one do you want to be? I mean, do you want to be a, do you want to be a dad that loves their child or not? You do, you want to be a spouse that loves their, you know, a husband that loves their wife or a wife that loves their husband or not? Uh, do you want to be a Christian that loves justice or not? You know, it's, do you want to love your neighbor or not? Um, and I think that That's generally how we hear the text, and that's generally how the text is taught. Um, And so when you're wrestling through which one are you, which one do you want to be, the usual conclusion is some way of motivating, inspiring, Mm -hmm. um, squeezing more love and justice out of yourself or out of the hearer. If you're the preacher, you know, you're trying to squeeze more love and justice out of your people. When what's shocking, which is always shocking, like when Jesus is teaching, right, that he's not trying to squeeze more love and justice out of us, he's actually trying to choke off and kill something else. And uh, and then when you read the text, you find out that he tells the story in response to uh, the law expert seeking, wanting, obsessed with, addicted to, justifying himself. Mm-hmm. So it's not to squeeze love and justice out of it, out of us. It's to choke off this endless, empty, compulsive, spontaneous, enslaved obsession to justify our existence mm-hmm. before ourselves, before God, before others, before the real law, and before all the little laws of life. Mm-hmm. So that changes that on its head then, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're asking the question, which one are you, Uh, Jesus is answering, you're the dying dude in the ditch. Mm -hmm. That's who you are. Mm -hmm. And then that changes the whole story, Mm -hmm. completely turns it inside and out. And so all of a sudden, this is not an exercise in willpower and an exercise in more determination or an exercise in a willingness or an inspiration to do right or some notion of justice and love apart from Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. How can you even... What does that even mean? Uh, That this is actually, you're the dying dude in the ditch. You actually are the one in need of rescue. Mm -hmm. You're the one in need of justification, Mm -hmm. according to that text.
0: Fantastic.
1: So Paul would have been incredibly happy Mm -hmm. about the story that Jesus tells.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how these kind of texts in I don't know, uh, the church at large, um, just it's like the the beginning of it is just never really dealt with or or, or whatnot that that you have this debate very much like yeah. the rich young ruler. Yep. You know, the text explicitly says in verse twenty nine that he was desiring to justify himself. Um And, and so, and then you get this, you get this story. Yeah.
1: So Jesus tells a story because of that. And notice, you know, again, it's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. So you're going from 2,500 feet above the Mediterranean Sea to 825 feet below the Mediterranean Sea. So every step that this man takes is a downward journey. Mm -hmm. There's no elevated step. So even the imagery Right, and even that path. I mean, historically, the background is it was notorious for being waylaid. Mm. It was such a uh, an easy place for gangs and robbers mm-hmm. and for people that wanted to abuse people to actually take people out. Mm-hmm. So, even Jesus knows that. That's the common understanding of the times. Knows that. So this dude is on a really dangerous journey, and he's on a downhill journey, uh, a depressing journey. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a passage that if this new lens of law and gospel right. is actually put on, it rearranges and reshapes and restructures and empowers a completely different message. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's if you, if you listen to our podcast, you go to Redeemer, you hear the distinction between the law and the gospel, law and gospel, law and gospel. And this is such a great story to, to really practice that. Because, um, this is a story of the law. This is Jesus ends it. It says, you go and do likewise. This is an echo of saying, do the law and live. Yeah. Hey, lawyer, you want to justify yourself? I will tell you exactly how to justify yourself. It's very simple. All you have to do is love God perfectly and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Yeah. Love well, dude. Go and do likewise. You know, um, the point of that story, rightly received and understood, of course, only by God's grace and spirit, is that it totally crushes us. Yeah. And we go, oh my gosh, I can think of so many dying people in a ditch that I walked right by, and I was like, oh, I don't have time, I don't have the resources, I don't care, Yeah. I just don't love well. Like you said, that yeah. kind of plumb line you had of you don't love well, we don't love well. That's actually the the principal point of the story is to go. That's correct. That's yeah. the point. You don't love well. You're not as good as that Samaritan. Yeah. You're not the Samaritan. You're beneath him. Yep. As you said, you're not even the priest. You're you're dead. Yeah. You're just dead, and yeah. you need a good Samaritan to come by, resurrect you from the dead. Yeah. Um, amazing story. I'll use that to segue into this um, book review on fault lines good. because um, that story, uh, you didn't talk about this in your sermon at all, uh, which helped to be a better sermon surely. but that text is being used a lot in kind of the modern social justice movement. Yes. Um, at least I say a lot. I mean, I, I feel like I hear it thrown around very regularly. Um, a lot of times as a way to like show some kind of form of government, yeah. um, which is just wild. Um, it's idiotic. It's what it is. Fault Lines by Vody Bauckham came out around April. It is about the modern social justice movement. I can't remember what he calls it in the book. I just was reading it. Um, in some some books, uh, in a book I, I love and recommend, we'll probably do a review, Cynical Theories. They call it Social Justice Theory, all capital, capital S-J-T, Social Justice Theory. I can't remember what Vody calls it, but this modern woke movement, that's really what the book's about. Yeah, He calls it Fault Lines because his major premise is there are these uh, fault lines in the church that we are starting to see and we are going to see earthquakes and and these fault lines become very apparent and very clear. Um, it's a great metaphor, great image. So the fault lines are already there. Already there. And this,
1: um, this movement, this woke movement, yep. this CRT, intersectionality, is an earthquake that's exposing. Yeah the fault lines, exposing the breaks, exposing the rifts, exposing the divisions, exposing the differences.
0: Yeah. And his argument, he's very explicit that, that a major catastrophe in the church on these, along these fault lines, having to do with this social justice movement, the modern one, um, the catastrophe is coming. There is no stopping it. The fault lines are there, the earthquakes are happening. Um, and really we need to understand what's happening, uh, and understand these ideas and really prepare for them because they're here. I would say in my experience, what I'm seeing going on, I would say, Oh yeah, it's here. It's on the front doorstep. It's been, it's in the house. Yeah. Um, so I would agree with him. Uh, I'll give my kind of review and yeah. then I'll let you, um, cause I wrote down some quotes, uh, because I prepared for this podcast. Um, <laughs> at least 50% of the team did. Um, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, about that dig. Uh Vodi says in the book, quote, I grew up poor, without a faith, and surrounded by drugs, gangs, violence, and dysfunction in one of the toughest urban environments imaginable. That's kind of his background. Yeah. Comes from a really, really rough um uh background. Now I think he's the father of like, I don't know, nineteen kids and lives somewhere in Africa. I think <laughs> maybe he's like a missionary or he is. seminary president or yeah. something. Um very, very intelligent guy. I, I I can never remember, but Vodi's background, I think, in seminary, and I'm 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 remembering this from a lecture he gave. He yeah. became like intrigued. I want to say by like Marxism or socialism, mm-hmm. or in in kind of how it re, um, the, intersecting with Christianity yeah. and something like that. And so he's been kind of really intrigued by a lot of what we're seeing on the come on the scene now yeah. for decades. Yeah, exactly. So he's got a lot of as a
1: young man. He was very sympathetic. And I think he, he did
0: as he would say, put his toe in the waters, maybe his whole body in the water for a little bit. That might be right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's been, I say that to say he's been focused on this stuff for a really long time. Might've done some extra like PhD kind of work into it. Not totally sure. Um, regardless, the book gets into everything. Basically the book, if you want to know what is the social justice movement all about, what do they think? What do they believe? What does it mean to be woke? The history, the history of it, where it comes from. Clear case studies. Uh, he gets into all the core tenants. Yep. He digs into data, stats, all the popular events you've seen on the news. The major
1: players, the major names, the major headlines, the major people. What's
0: going on in different denominations. He really, he's not afraid. He's in my opinion extremely like matter of fact yes. and respectful but not afraid to name names and right. name denominations and name yeah. meetings of denominations yes. and what happened and yeah. why.
1: It's not an accusatory book. No. It's a laying out reality kind of book. Matter of fact. Here's yeah. their own words. Here's their own teaching. Here's their Here's here are the facts. Yep. Right.
0: So one of, my, one of my favorite quotes, just to kind of like pitch the book, um, he says that, quote, The anti-racist movement has many of the hallmarks of a cult, in- including staying close enough to the Bible to avoid immediate detection and hiding the fact that it has a new theology and a new glossary of terms that diverge ever so slightly from Christian orthodoxy. So he he kind of looks at this anti-racist movement or we could just say the modern social justice movement that principally deals with things like race and racism and he said he says it has marks of a cult or or a, a religion. Yeah. That it, in, even calls it a
1: cosmology.
0: It's very faith-based. Yeah. Um in many regards uh, so he'll he'll talk in terms of like quote anti-racism offers no salvation, yep. only perpetual penance in an effort to battle an incurable disease. Yep. Um He'll say things like, uh, quote, there's no good news of grace in this movement. Yeah. Uh, Quote, there's only law. So he really frames, what I love about the book is he really draws out, it's not just this dry academic work. Correct. He shows how this is actually functioning on the ground where, I'm not sure if he says this, but like I would say this, like where, where you get the impression that CRT is the new Bible. Yeah. You get the impression that anyone who... Uh, claims that they've been oppressed, which like Vodi would say he's been the victim of racism. Without a doubt. um, uh, But anyone who's oppressed, they're the new pastors and priests. So Vodi does a really good job of kind of framing uh, what's going on in what I would agree with are very religious terms, in terms of like doing penance and is there any grace in all of this. And um whatnot. So I I highly recommend the book if you want to understand the movement, if you want a good analysis of it. And if you want someone who, in my opinion, takes it head on, does not shy away from anything. Um, I thought it was awesome.
1: Yeah. And again, he was, he, um, very much was, uh, sympathetic and very much was, uh, in that world. Um, and then even got his PhD in the social sciences, I, I do believe. So he's very familiar with that world as well. And so even like the history of where critical theory mm-hmm. came from, I thought that was so helpful. And then he just traced critical theory uh, in its history and its uh, major embodiments in major players and major events in its history on up to uh, its current uh, embodiment and its Mm -hmm. current players in critical race theory, Mm -hmm. uh, and how the teaching has been pretty consistent. Uh, its main ideas have been pretty, uh, systematized throughout and consistently believed throughout. Um, yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. And I, I loved the, I love the history. I, I loved, uh, The interaction with uh, the major ideas and how they present themselves Mm -hmm. as an interpretation of reality, Mm -hmm. so that it's more than just um, uh, an academic theory. It's actually an explanation for how to see the world, Mm -hmm. for how to view yourself, your identity, for how to view how. Um, events and actions and people's interactions and institutions to interpret them a certain way. Um, So it it really is and does function like a religion. It has an original sin. It has uh, a trajectory of uh, conflict. Um, It has uh, uh, priests and priestesses Mm -hmm. that come in and tell you that this is what is real and this is what reality is. So. I found it incredibly engaging. I found uh, his personal narrative (laughs) extremely um, powerful. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I think the narrative is incredibly clear. The narrative is incredibly powerful and engaging with the ideas and the material, very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. So you at least walk out with a comprehensive look at, uh, from beginning to end, this whole movement, which I think was was well, very helpful for me.
0: Yep. Really, really good. Highly recommend it if you're interested um, in, in learning up. And I would I would encourage you to, if you have the time, you have the level of curiosity and interest, this is a big deal going on in the church. Right now it's on our minds for various reasons. I look forward to the day when it's not on my yeah. mind as much, but for various reasons, it's kind of on, on our minds a lot right now, which is kind of what... Makes us think of uh, at least um, reviewing that book and and promoting it. Really good book uh, overall. I think you'd it's it's very helpful. I
1: liked uh, what was the the proverbs? Did you we get yeah? That?
0: So I can't remember what it was like. Proverb yeah. seventeen eight or something like that. But uh, you mentioned that the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Yeah. So he led with that, uh, and that is.
1: So true and so good. I mean, that's not only true in interpersonal conflict and relationships, right? You know, someone tells their story their way to someone else, and then that person gets all jazzed up and, oh, man, how could it? Until they actually hear the other person's take on what just took place, and then it gets a little more uh, complex, shall we say. Well, and the same here. This, This story, this critical theory is... Uh, projecting its case and hasn't had much examination, right particularly in the church uh, we've had we have kind of took this hook uh, and took it deep and swallowed it and it's now in us and uh, and now there's beginning to have some critical interaction with it yeah, and now there's the beginning of actually drawing out some of the ideas to their ends and their conclusions, and even what the sources of these ideas are. And so when he does present it as this cosmology, it is a way of seeing the world. It's just as the scriptures are a way of seeing the world, right? Um, so I found it very compelling even from that angle.
0: Yeah. That proverb was so good because this week I was thinking how so much of this, what I, I get this term from cynical theories, um, social justice theory, what I've seen so much with the, with proponents of so- social justice theory is I was, I was thinking of this illustration in my head, who knows if it's any good, but it's like someone who holds up, holds up a cup that's full of holes, right? It's a cup full of holes. And they go, this is a cup. This is the color of a cup. It's made out of the same plastic as other cups. This is a cup. And what I see happening so much of the time in the church is people go, you know what? You are totally right. That's a cup. Yeah, That's a cup. I, I, I got to buy into everything you're saying about this being a cup, but what never what people are scared to do is go, "Hey, you know what? Before I just affirm everything you're saying, would you mind just putting in a couple ounces of water?" If they would do that. Yeah. If people would do that, you go, "Oh, that's not a cup." Yeah. You know, or it's it's almost a cup, it's <laughs> there's a percentage that's a cup. Yeah. My point is what I have seen over and over again with social justice theory and this woke movement Is oftentimes it takes one question. Yeah. That question is the six ounces of water. Yeah. Hey, I will that is a cup. I it looks like a cup. It looks like there's holes, but maybe that's something wrong with my vision. Yeah. If you could put six ounces of water in that, let's just test this real quick. I have found that with this stuff, and again that proverb, right? It sounds right. Mm -hmm. They made their first case. Right. Sounds like a cup, looks like a cup, whatever until the other person comes and examines and says, Hey, I have a couple questions. Yeah. Um, I got, I just have a couple, you know, I, there was a, a Christian recently in a, a back and forth where the, the believer, the Christian brother made some statement about, I think like communally repenting for past sins. Yeah. And another Christian brother of his basically asked a question, Hey, can we, he almost, he almost restated the statement in the form of a question like, yeah. can we repent for sins committed by other people in the past? And essentially the answer amounted to the guy kind of being like, I don't know. One question, one question, one question that was restating the statement yeah. and it turned very quickly into, I'm not sure if what I initially said actually holds water. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that proverb makes me th- you know. Yeah, that's a great, I, I wish I dude, wish that is a
1: fantastic image, man. Be be curious. Yeah. Be curious. Yeah, be curious. Oh, that hey. and that's exactly right. I mean, when when anyone shuts down the conversation, right. And when anyone's afraid of examination, and yeah. afraid of curiosity and afraid of yeah. standing up to reality, afraid yeah. of standing up to biblical revelation, uh to where you become like bullish. Yeah. Uh you become yeah, bullish. You have got to start questioning yeah. that.
0: Hey, could you put water in that cup? How dare how yeah. dare you talk about water in this conversation when we're talking about cups? Yeah. You know what? That just shows you don't really understand cups. You need to go and do yep. your own research and learn about cups and you're like, Wait, do minute, your homework. I just, wait, what? I just I just want some water in the cup. Isn't that how cups work? Yeah. You know, it's like, be curious, ask questions. And what I have found is very quickly, these radical, crazy ideas, all of a sudden, like the water, it's just like, they don't hold water, Yeah, you know? And again, let me be very clear. We've been clear on this podcast. We've been clear in different blogs. Like none of this has to do with condemning racism, right? Racism is a, it's as stupid as it is evil. You know, um, we condemn it. Uh, this is about the, the social justice theories behind it that, yeah, that most of the time hold no water,
1: and the new critical definitions of injustice, the new critical critical yep. definitions of what is sin, right? Yep. That they uh, are apparently and seemingly more and more not able to hold up
0: water. All right, I'll give you maybe two minutes. Yeah, what are you thinking about preaching this Sunday?
1: Okay, so the Texas Sunday is another one of these. These, uh, I'm just well, you know what I think it is, bud. I, you know, I wanted to preach on parables, the story Jesus tells, and COVID and everything that's happened over these mm-hmm. past two years have uh, moved us in a in a different direction. So I think what's happening is subconsciously these parables are starting to creep in, <laughs> like the Samaritan, right? Yeah, Jesus yeah. is telling stories. So the next one also is going to be one on prayer. It's going to be from uh, Luke eleven. Oh, that's right. Uh, one through, I think it's one through eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the first part, Jesus talks about the the Lord's Prayer, so it's how to pray. And then this next section is going to be looking at more like, why do you pray? Why should we pray? And uh, I think we're going to find that the answer is quite stunning and shocking. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a, an either a why to pray based on commitment of the prayer uh, or based on uh, the good neighbor, so one one or the other is going to spur us on to pray. And uh, so that's where we're heading. The big word in there is impudence. It's an interesting, all the commentaries, all the biblical scholars, everybody comes down, whatever that word means is the whole meaning. So mm. whatever, why pray comes down to one word, impudence, because evidently this, this good neighbor uh, moves and answers and goes to the door and opens the door to this, this midnight guest, right, because of his impudence. Hmm. So is it persistence or is it a shameless need? One one or the other. Um, the most popular and the most traditional reading is the persistence of the midnight mm-hmm. uh, petitioner. So uh, I think we're. It's going to be another story that's kind of turned upside down on us. And when it's mm. turned
0: upside down on us, it opens up a whole new way of seeing the world. Mm. Kind of is it? Sounds like kind of the difference between maybe we pray just because we are committed to it. We're yep. resolved to do it. We Persistent, know we need to do it. Oh, yep. I got to pray today. Got to get these prayers in. I never feel like that. I'm always purely motivated. <laughs> um, right. Difference between that and perhaps I pray because of these various things that yeah I like, need we need you need
1: yeah and then why does why does this good neighbor answer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is it because of my persistence is it because of my uh, commitment yeah right uh, my right. dedication um, mm-hmm. or is it because of the outlandish uh, good friend we have mm-hmm. and your radical unbelievable need and he knows it hmm. that's a whole so anyhow again it's just kind of moving us into the deep end yeah of who god is and uh who we are and and how the
0: gospel works it's mm-hmm. awesome can't wait um guys thanks for listening hope this is helpful as always you can reach out on good not Um, Of course, you can reach out on our church website, RedeemerWaco.org. Either way, if you've got things you want us to talk about, cover, um, uh, even if we have more questions and answers on that topic, whatever it might be, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you um, as we keep pumping out this content. Uh, Until next week, peace.